uh, another uh, really quick warm welcome to everybody. Welcome to anybody who's with us for the first time. We want to offer you a very warm welcome and a big hand of applause. Welcome. Um, so uh, I'm really excited to share today with you because I think um, for people who uh, are very interested in spiritual life or take, take spiritual life seriously, uh, today's talk might be something that we don't talk enough about or we don't spend enough energy uh, um, directing ourselves to, and that's joy. Um, you know, we've been following St. Anthony uh, throughout this series, and, and St. Anthony has so much to say about joy. Let's just start with where we started with the story. St. Anthony, was, is, we took him as our kind of our patron saint for the fast this year, and we kind of wanted to ask St. Anthony how we can grow and mature in our spiritual lives. And so um, St. Anthony starts off by talking about there's like a variety of different patterns of growth. Some things grow cyclically, like, like plants, and there's a, 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 a season where they grow, and they get, then they get harvested, and then they go dormant for a bit, then they grow again. There's perennials, there's things you plant every year, and so on. But then there's other patterns of growth, for example, the growth of a human being, where they grow in somewhat of a linear fashion. You know, there might be growth spurts, but in general, they don't, they don't shrink. They just continue to grow. And normal growth in terms of height of human beings is usually something that goes from up and up, and that's probably what we spoke about the second week. St. Anthony has been kind of our guide. He was, he was a fellow who lived at the end of the, the middle end of the third century and into the fourth century, he lived to be 105 years old. He was the first person to, um, to really uh, formally adopt uh, a life of seclusion, and he's oftentimes uh, termed the first monk. Now, you know, he went, when he left everything and he went to go and kind of devote his life to God and to spiritual life and spiritual growth in God, he went and met other people who were elders. Um, but he was the first person to go out way out into the desert all by himself. And, and uh, throughout his life, all kinds of people came seeking his guidance and seeking his advice. Uh, kings, philosophers, um, all kinds of people came to him and asked him uh, for his wisdom and for his guidance. And so here we are um, sitting at the feet of St. Anthony, you know. Uh, imagine that you're sitting in the desert at the, at the mouth of this cave. And this old man walks out with a, with a wispy beard down to his, you know, down to his umbilicus, down to his belly button, you know. And he's just, and we ask him, Abba Anthony. Give us a word that we may live. That's what, the, that's what people would say, right? And he would say to us, all you need to know is the commandments. The commandments of Jesus are all you need to know to follow Jesus, to take Jesus hand in hand, and him to bring you to the kingdom of heaven. All you need are the commandments. They are your roadmap. And the second lesson that he would tell us is if you're in doubt, if you have a question, if you don't know, ask the author. The author of the commandments is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inspired the gospel writers and inspired those who wrote in scripture 
And what you're reading today is the work of the Holy Spirit working in the hearts of human beings like you and like me. This is all just kind of reviewing the story from where we started. And then St. Anthony told us that the most dangerous pitfall in spiritual life is regressing backwards. And spiritual life is a life of continual growth. It's not up and down. It's not cyclical. It's supposed to be from the up and up. And we continue to grow higher and higher and higher. And the mindset that's necessary for that is very simple. And he broke it down for us. Press onwards. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter if you sin. It doesn't matter if you fall back. It doesn't matter if you get lazy. It doesn't matter if you miss church. It doesn't matter. None of that. Ma all that matters is that you keep putting one foot in front of the next. It matters what you do now, what you do today. That's what matters. Forget the past, keep your eyes on the prize, and keep going. And then St. Anthony told us that you're going to get nowhere unless you put all your eggs in one basket. As long as half your mind and half your heart is over there, and half your mind and half your heart is over here, one thing is for certain, you're certainly going to miss out on what's going on over here. God lives in the present. God is here in the present, and He is here to do something in this present moment with you. And you better believe it. And if half your mind and half your heart is out there, and half your mind and half your heart is in here, I'm so sorry to tell you, half your mind and half your heart, which is out there, is missing out on the half of what's going on in here. Right? So you gotta put, you know, there's some things where you should diversify your portfolio, and there's some times when you should just put all your eggs in one basket. St. Anthony told us, put all your eggs in one basket. How are you going to guard your eggs so they don't fall out of the basket? St. Anthony told us continual repentance. Repent, confess, accept God's forgiveness, be certain in His forgiveness, but never forget your sins. Never forget where you came from. Because that's what keeps you from doing the same things over and over again, is remembering that once upon a time, no guilt, no blame, no shame. Right? This isn't about guilt, this isn't about blame, this isn't about shame. We, we here in, 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 in Christianity, we hate that stuff. We think all the guilt, guilty feelings that people get are all from the devil. They're all bad. They're all bullying from the enemy. We hate that kind of stuff. This isn't about guilt. This is about knowing that if once upon a time I felt an inclination, I found it easy to walk in that direction and end up in that sin... I'm probably not given the opportunity to go this way and do that sin or go this way and do that sin. I'm probably going to do that one because I just have some natural inclination towards that. So I just need to remember that. I don't need to remember the sin and all of its details and all that. I just need to remember that I am given to such and such. I am given to overeating. I'm given to lustful thoughts. I'm given to whatever. That doesn't make me a bad person. I'm a holy person in Christ. I'm a new creation in Him. But I remember where I came from so that I never end up there again. And here we are continuing our journey from being this cute little pussycat to being this lion that God wants to make you and I into. And some unseen process, something unseen happens between the cute little cat over here and the big roaring lion in the back. And God wants to make you and to make me into that lion. So let's jump 
hip deep into what St. Anthony has to share with us today. St. Anthony is telling you and he's telling me that joy is the power of spiritual life. Joy is what powers your life in God. Joy is the fuel for the journey. And I can go through the rest of the list, but I'm going to go through it one by one and talk about them each just a little bit. Joy is the fuel that's going to get you to the kingdom. Jesus says that we have to walk on the narrow path and we have to go through the narrow gate. And it's a journey. Jesus says, I am the way. He's not in any way telling us that it's a one-stop shop process, that it's an instantaneous. No, it's not. It's a day-by-day process, right? And, and the fuel for that process is joy. Joy, St. Anthony tells us, is a sign of the soundness of your spiritual life. Your spiritual life is healthy if you have joy. If you don't have joy, it doesn't mean that it's not healthy, but it means you should ask yourself, why don't I have any joy? Joy nurtures our souls, St. Anthony tells us. He tells us that joy elevates our mind and nourishes it. Joy takes our mind from what's going on here and lets us, our mind, go somewhere else with God. I'm not talking about daydreaming. I'm talking about being enthralled by God. Joy blesses the present and joy assures us of a happy future. St. Anthony tells us that just as much as trees need water to grow, and as long as water is not available to them, they can't grow upwards, so it is with the soul. Joy is what waters your soul and allows it to grow and grow and grow upwards and, and move up towards God. So much so that in the rite of baptism, when somebody's baptized, they get anointed with three different oils. They get anointed with a regular plain old olive oil, then they get anointed with an oil of joy, and then after that, after the sacrament, the second sacrament, they get anointed with the holy oil of Meirun. The, the, the second oil, the oil of joy, this is the idea. It's a special oil that has been prayed on, and that's a whole, it's a whole other story we're not going to get into today. But why this oil of joy? We, we pray as we're anointing the person with the oil of joy. We pray their name. We pray that they be confirmed in the church, that they be belonging in the church. And then we pray that this may be a protection for them. Joy is protection against temptation. Let me ask you this. If you are overly, abundantly joyful, like overflowing, bouncing with joy, are you more, or yes, more likely or or, or not as likely to fall into the kind of sin, the habitual sins that you fall into day in, day out. Pick a sin. Pick a sin that you kind of find it really hard to avoid. Now imagine yourself bouncing with joy. Your joy is protection from that sin. Most of the time, most of the time when we do the self-destructive things we do, right? We do them as some kind of compensation, some kind of way of coping with some kind of, I don't know, I don't have the right word, angst, some kind of sadness, some kind of brokenness, some kind of, something we're not happy with, something we're not happy with within, within us, right? Let's, let's, let, let's make it personal, right? 
I've had a long day, and I've been out, and I've been listening to people. And man, you know, people are, y'all are really good people, right? People are really good. They, they do their best to be happy and put a smile on their face and, and be, and, and be a, a positive around other people. But when they have an, a moment of, to be themselves and to speak their heart and, and so on, and people are going through some pretty hard stuff. And they share all that with me. And I pray about it and I ask God to, to, to help them and this and that. And then I get home, right? And I'm thinking about this person. I'm thinking about that person. I'm thinking about this. And what's my first thought? My first thought should be go up to your room and pray. But what's my first thought? Let me empty the fridge, right? You know, let me eat everything in sight, right? Why do I, why do I give myself to this self-destructive behavior? Because... Because somehow I've gotten tangled. I've allowed myself to get tangled with the problems of this world. Joy, joy doesn't, doesn't you don't, when you're joyful, you don't know where, where the time went. So the early church fathers would tell people as they're baptizing them, they would tell them, you know the gladiators back then, they didn't have like, you know, hockey and basketball or whatever, right? They didn't have an NBA, right? So what did they have? They had gladiators, right? So the gladiators would go, kind of like wrestlers. Each one would go to their corner, right? And then the coach, their coach would, would give them their pep talk. And, you know, and do this and do that and don't. And when he does this, you do that. And while he's giving them his pep talk, what would he do? He'd grease them up. He'd take a bottle of oil and he'd just grease them up. Why? Because they're wrestling. And if the guy, the other guy is slippery, then he can't catch hold of him. He can't catch hold of him. And as he's trying to grab him, he can't because the other guy is too slippery. And so what the church is teaching us in baptism, as you join King Jesus, there's a team of the enemy out there that wants to pin you to the floor. But Jesus and his church and your team are going to cover you with joy. And as long as you are covered in joy, you're going to be slippery in the hands of the enemy. And he might try to grab you, but he's not going to be able because you're going to slip right out of his hands. That's what joy does. You know, the temptation comes, but quite frankly, I ain't got time for that. I'm too happy, I'm too busy doing this and that, and I'm too happy to do that. So I'll leave that for another day, right? That's what joy does. So joy is protection. Joy is a mile marker along the way of spiritual life. If you find, if you find little mile markers telling you, I'm joyful, I'm joyful, I'm joyful, that's a good sign. That means those are the mile markers on the kingdom way, right? Joy confirms a triumphant future, St. Anthony tells us. Joy is a foretaste, he tells us, of, of the kingdom. Joy, St. Anthony tells us, is incentive to finish the race. If the journey with Jesus is this joyful, oh my goodness, how joyful is it going to be to live with him forever, St. Anthony tells us, right? Joy is incentive for persevering in the struggle. Joy blesses the present moment and gives us hope for the future. So for all of these reasons, joy is essential. Now, can I tell you something? I have, I think, hundreds and hundreds of books. And most of my favorite books I don't even own anymore because I lent them to somebody and I never got them back. So if any of you are watching this, I'm expecting to get... No, I'm just kidding, right? <laughs> Keep them, let them be a blessing to you. Thank God for Amazon, right? <laughs> but I only have one book on joy. I don't get it. 
I have like, I've got at least like 30 books on repentance, probably 50 books on the Holy Spirit. I only have one book on joy. And when I started researching for this talk and I started researching the Paradise of the Fathers and I started researching, you know, in commentaries and I started, you know, it's true. There isn't that much that's said about joy. When joy, in the words of St. Anthony, is so important, joy is what's going to get you there. Joy is what's going to get you there. Without joy, it's water, I promise. <laughs> joy is what's going to get you there. Jesus knew that. So Jesus says to us, these things that I have spoken to you, why? So you can do them, so you can dot your I's and cross your T's, so you can be a good little boy, a good little girl. No. That my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Before we get into what is Jesus' joy that he wants to remain in us, let's see, what are these things that he's spoken to us? This is John 15, 11, so let's go and look and see what John 15, 9 and 10 say. John 15, 9 says, As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Jesus is saying, now, okay, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you think the Father loves me, says to his disciples? The disciples say, 10 on 10. He says, that's how much I love you. Like the disciples see that Jesus says the Father does. Jesus says, Father, da-da, in a second, bam. They see that like there's nothing, there's nothing between him and his Father. You can't get in between them two. Jesus says, he's trying to, he's trying to, he's, he's trying to, you know, when you, you give an analogy or a simile or a metaphor, it's because you're trying to explain something to somebody. You're trying to liken it to them. He's trying to liken to them how much he loves them. He's talking to his disciples. He says, as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Just, just chill out in my love. Just hang out in my love. Just, just don't run off and go do something. Just take a moment. Just, everybody take a deep breath. <sighs> Savor my love. Enjoy it for, for a second. Before you run off, before you gotta go, before you're late, before there's traffic, before you're, just <sighs> take a moment. Savor my love. Abide in my love. Then he tells them, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. How do we abide in your love, Jesus? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus is saying, I have this special relationship with my Father because I do what he says. So you just do what I say and you will abide in my love. Sound, uh, sound kind of familiar? What is the first thing St. Anthony told us? He told us that Jesus' commandments are the roadmap. They're the roadmap. You want to love God more? Pick a commandment and tell God, so help me God, I'm going to do this today. I am not going to let the sun go down before I love my enemy, before I lend and expect nothing in return, before I bless those who curse me, before I... 
Pick any one of Jesus' commandments. You don't know where to look. Look at the Sermon on the Mount. You'll find 103, I think, commandments. Things that no one ever said before. You know what Gandhi said? Gandhi was not Christian. But you know what he said? Great guy, but not Christian. You know what he said about the Sermon on the Mount? He said, these words are so beautiful, they could have only been spoken from the mouth of God himself. Pick any one of those commandments. Pick any one of the commandments of Jesus. Open the Gospels anywhere. Find a commandment. Say, so help me God, today I'm going to do this. By your help, by your grace, by your love, by your kindness, by your working in me, I'm going to do this today. Just stick to Jesus' commandments. You will abide in his love. Jesus says to them, I have spoken these things that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. But Jesus, what's your joy? Like, my joy is chocolate ice cream. Jesus, what's your joy? Jesus says, I kind of like chocolate ice cream too. But my joy, St. Augustine explains to us, my joy is nothing other than to rejoice over you. My joy, he says, what is this joy of ours that he says to be made full but are having fellowship with him? He says, my joy is you. My joy is seeing you being what you were made to be. He goes on and says, his joy therefore in us is the grace he has bestowed on us. That is also our joy. He rejoices over this joy even from eternity. St. Augustine explains that from eternity, from before the world was made, he was rejoicing in us. Not that we existed, but in the idea that he would create us and then that we would fall and then that we would sin and then that we would be redeemed. And he, he, was, he had that whole story played out. And he was rejoicing in you from before he even created the world. Knowing what we would do to him. Knowing we as a humanity would crucify him. Knowing that we would put him to hell, literally, and back. He was rejoicing in us. St. John Chrysostom and St. Cyril, they both say the same thing about this. They say that he rejoices that every man may be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, and come to the fullness of faith, that's what gives God joy. And he can see it. He can taste it. He knows it. And he rejoices in it. He rejoices in you being the fullness of what he created you to be. That's what gives him joy. Many people, many people, Goethe, one of my favorite kind of German poets and philosophers, a variety of other people say the greatest joy is to bring joy to others. And they all kind of say it in different ways, but and you've all experienced that. You know, the, the most, the best present you can ever get is one you're getting for somebody else. You know, that's what gives you the most joy. There's more joy in giving than there is in receiving and all of that stuff, right? That is the joy of God that he says that my joy may remain in you. His joy is to see you fulfilled, is to see you living in the fullness of your humanity, is to see you, in the words of St. Irenaeus, living the glory of God. Man fully alive is God in his fullest glory revealed. So much so, 
So much so was that his is that his joy that in the litany of the fifth hour uh, of the sixth hour prayer, the fifth litany. Anyways, it doesn't matter. You know, in the church, we've got all these different prayers. There's a prayer called the sixth hour prayer. Right. And that sixth hour prayer, there's a, a prayer in the prayer. You know what I mean? It's like little Russian dolls. Like there's a prayer in the prayer. Right. The prayer in the prayer says for of your own goodwill, you were joyed to ascend onto the cross. To deliver those whom you created from the bondage of the enemy. Where did the church get these words? From Hebrews 12, 2 and a couple of other verses where in Hebrews 12, 2 it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our, of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Can you imagine... Jesus was looking forward with joy to the cross. That's what the church is telling us. Not because he liked the idea. He hated it. But because he loved what it was going to do for you and for me. He was joy. To, this word ascend here is... The, the word that was, that was in some older versions here is mount. Like, you know, to mount a horse, you know. Like, they didn't nail Jesus to the cross. He got up onto the cross. He mounted himself onto the cross. With joy, knowing what it would bring you and me. That was joy for him. Brutality. Inhumane. Treatment. Joy for him. St. Anthony tells us that this joy is like a driving force. It's like a battering ram of hard work. And that fervent, ascetic labor is an obligation and a grace at the same time when it's filled with joy. There's this word ascetic here, and I hate using words without kind of defining them, especially if they're not words in our common vernacular, if they're not in their common language that we always use. What is ascetic? Asceticism is basically the practice of self-denial for the sake of the kingdom of God. For the sake of the kingdom of God, I'm willing to, to not do this. For the sake of the kingdom of God, I'm willing to stand and pray when I'm tired. For the sake of the kingdom of God, I'm willing to do prostrations. For the sake of the kingdom of God, I'm willing to fast. Basically, okay, in layman's terms, forget what's on the screen here for a second. Mysticism is where something mystical happens. And you see a miracle. Uh, you walk into the church, there's nobody there, and it's full of incense smoke. And you're like, what is going on? There's a presence here. There's something mystical, okay? That's one end of the spiritual experience, right? Where you do nothing, and you witness, using your senses, stuff. But you've done nothing to witness it. It's just grace. It's just an undeserved gift from God. And asceticism is the other end of the spectrum where you're doing, man, you're praying and you're prostrating and you're fasting and you're going and you're coming and you're trying so hard and you feel nothing. That's asceticism, okay? And anybody who struggled a little bit in spiritual life will know that spiritual life is full of asceticism and mysticism. There are mystical moments and there are ascetic moments, and somehow the ascetic moments seem to, to be more than the mystical moments. But the mystical moments seem to stay stuck in our heart and our souls forever. And we very quickly forget the ascetic moments. Like Jesus says, 
A woman, when she is in labor, feels all the pain. But when that child is born, she, for the joy of the birth of that child, that word joy again, she forgets all the pain. She forgets all the labor, like labor and delivery. She forgets all the asceticism. The word ascetic comes from a Greek word that I can't pronounce, which basically means I train. It's the word that St. Paul uses several times, talking about how he trains his soul. You know, he trains his soul. It's not, it's, he just, just doesn't let his soul wander around willy-nilly and hope it ends up in the right place. He's training his soul. He's on a training program. You know, Olympic athletes don't end up, Olymp they don't win, they don't end up, Olymp you know, qualifying for the Olympics. They don't end up, you know, uh, you know, at the podium. They don't end up with a medal, you know, just willy-nilly, just doing whatever they want. You know, I'll run if I feel like it. No, they train. And St. Paul uses athleticism often as an example and this idea of training ourselves. And that's what this business of asceticism is all about. Very, very, really important point that asceticism is not an end, it's a means. It's oftentimes we try hard to fast. We should be trying hard to use fasting to reach the kingdom. Fasting is not a goal. If the, if the tool is so hard to use that we need to put all of our energy and attention into using the tool properly, then we're, we're very much at risk of turning the, the means into an end. Asceticism is a means to an end. The end is loving communion with God. Examples are prayer, fasting, repentance, and so on. So St. Anthony is telling us that joy drives us to work hard. Joy is what mixes our fervent labors, which are biblical, and are entirely the Lord's commandment, with the fire of the Holy Spirit. God says do, I say I'll do. The fire of the Holy Spirit inside of me empowers me, drives me onwards to do the will of God. It's this synergy, this working hand in hand, this entanglement of, of my willing soul with the, the Spirit of God within me, full of fire and joy that propulses me forward towards the kingdom of God. But it comes from a willing soul who's willing to work hard. St. Anthony says it's hard work. If you're not willing to work hard, you're not going to make it. You're not going to do it alone. The Holy Spirit inside of you is going to come and work with you, but you've got to be willing. You can't look at it and say, the fast is too long. You can't look at it and say, the prayers are too long. You can't look at it. If you do that, you're never going to start. Just get started and God will come and will work with you. Right? And the power of His Spirit will come and drive you and I forward. St. Anthony says many beautiful things, but I just picked a few of them. He says, and if one of you sees that your fervor withdraws and leaves you, seek it earnestly and it will return. What do I do? What do I do, St. Anthony, if I've lost my joy? I don't find it joyful anymore. I come to church out of an obligation. If I don't come, I feel guilty. If I come, I have to drag myself there. I don't really like praying anymore, you know, but if I, you know, but I, I try. But St. Anthony says, seek the joy of these things earnestly. Seek joy in communion with God earnestly, and you will find it again. 
right? And he says, he says another thing. If you if you lost your joy, you've lost your fervor, you've lost your drive. What should you do? And if due to your laziness or slumber, you see your heart weighed down temporarily, bring your soul before you and question it until it becomes fervent again and is set on fire with God. Ask yourself. I do this now. I learned this from a, a book I read recently. This guy is it was a novel I read. This guy sits. In the novel, he sits and he asks himself, he's like, he's kind of gone wayward a bit and he doesn't know where, and he sits and he asks himself, what am I doing with my life? He asks himself a whole bunch of questions. I kind of took those questions to just asking them of myself. What am I doing with my life? Am I honest? Am I genuine? Am I putting on a show in front of people? Or am I really doing this because it really means something to me? If I were to lose this from my life, what would that mean to me? If, if by some dictatorial edict you were not allowed, you find prayer kind of long and a bit painful. It's kind of like you give more than you get, you know. I mean, I don't know if this prayer thing is really worth it. Or Suppose by some dictatorial edict you were never allowed to pray ever again, okay? Would you feel like you lost anything? Would you feel like there's anything missing in your life? Yes or no? These questions, when we sit and we question our soul honestly, we can find our fervor again, St. Anthony tells us. If you feel like you've lost your joy, if you feel like you've lost your drive, St. Anthony has advice for you. Here's another piece of advice he says. He says, get help. You're not alone. Before I read this with you, I want to share with you a story. I was in, uh, I was in serving in Africa in 2001, and I was in Nairobi for a couple of days before getting sent out to the bush. And I was there with Father Lazarus from St. Anthony's. You might have seen videos of him online. And uh, this guy's a saint. Okay? He, could, he would read my mind and answer my questions before I, before I asked him. So I asked him a question. I said to him, uh, I asked him, uh, Father Lazarus, I said St. Anthony now because he actually looks like St. Anthony. Wispy, long beard, really humble, emaciated man, full of fire and life and joy. Father Lazarus, what should I do to be more ascetical? He looked at me like I had two heads. He's like, why, why are you forcing yourself to come to God? God is good. God is kind. God is gentle. God is gracious. God is loving. God is forgiving. God is everything good that you can imagine in the whole world. If you need to force yourself, there might be something that's not right. I said, well, what do I do? I do have to force myself. He said, you're lucky. You live in the world. I'm a hermit. I live in a cave. I'm here serving in Africa for a month or two, but I'm going to go back to my cave. In the cave, I have nothing. I literally have two candlesticks and a Bible. That's all I have to my name. The shirt on my back. Not even a mat to sleep on. He sleeps on the floor of his cave. He said, but you, you have friends. When you don't want to pray, you can gather a few friends and say, I, don't, I, I can't do it today. Can you help me? Can you pray with me? When you don't want to read the Bible, you can call a few friends up and say, hey, you want to read the Bible together? You want to share with me? You can look online, find a, a church, just having a Bible study. Go seeking God. It doesn't matter where. Come here. Go anywhere. It doesn't matter. God is everywhere. He will speak to you. 
gather with other believers. It's easy. It's easy, Father Lazarus was telling me. He says, when you have no one to rely on, when you have no father to encourage you, when you're a monk in a cave in the middle of the desert all by yourself, then you have to force yourself. But you, you have it easy, he says to me. St. Anthony tells, tells us, if the soul earnestly seeks a servant of God, trained in spiritual medicine, he will cure it from its pangs and raise it once more, and prescribe for it what is of God, which is the heavenly joy that is its food, its nourishment, can thus resist its enemies and overcome them, trampling down their wicked thoughts and counsels, being made perfect in heavenly joy. Get help. Get a friend. Don't leave them until you have joy. Until the Holy Spirit, working in you, where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there in their midst. The Spirit is there to give you joy. St. Anthony says, Incline to your fathers and obey them and you will not stumble. He tells us, I make known to you another way which affirms a person from start to end, and that is to love the Lord your God with a full heart. Worship Him in truth. If you do this, God will grant you great power and joy, and so you will relish the works of God, and also all the labors in the body will be pleasing to you. Hang on to joy. Hold on, hand, tooth, and nail to joy. It's your lifeline. It's your fuel. It's your mile marker along the way. It's your protection. It's your incentive. It's the deposit of the Holy Spirit working inside of you. It's assurance that heaven is waiting for you and waiting for me, full of joy. Glory be to God forever. Let's pray.